1 through 12 of James chapter 3, uh, I've broken this down into five points. And the five points is what, you're, what you'll have on your, on your handout uh, there tonight. Uh, the, the first of the five is uh, the negative warning, and we'll find that in, cha- uh, in verse 1. Uh, second point, the reason for the warning, and we'll see that in verse 2. Uh, the third point, examples of danger, and that's going to be in verses 3 through 6. Um, the fourth point, the uncontrollable nature of the tongue, and we'll see that in verses 7 and 8. And the fifth point, the last point uh, that we'll have here, is um, the inconsistency of the tongue. And we'll see that in verses 9, uh, 9 through 12. You know, uh, James, um, the author of this epistle, um, you know, he, he just wrote in chapter 2 uh, about uh, faith without works is dead. And then by the time he gets to, to verse 26, he says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, uh, so faith without works is dead also. So then he takes that and, and, he, and he moves it into chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, uh, you know, James is, he's not speaking uh, towards salvation. Uh, he's not speaking toward justification. Uh, but what he is doing is he's speaking from the believer's perspective in sanctification. So if uh, you are a believer here tonight, uh, then I, would, I would suggest that m- most of you are. Um, there may be some uh, still uh, looking to get into the family of God, but uh, uh, I think tonight uh, as we look for that uh, sanctification process, changing uh, the life uh, of the believer. And so uh, let's pray and, and we'll, we'll get off into this. Oh Lord, tonight as we open up your word, as God, we consider uh, the things that James would write in the third chapter of his epistle. And how, Lord, these things uh, first come from you. And, Lord, let us uh, mull it around uh, in our minds and let it find a resting place, Lord, in our hearts. Uh, change us, God, tonight uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. So, so turn in your Bibles then to James chapter 3. And we'll look, like I said, we'll look at verses 1, uh, 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, uh, certainly raise your hand, and uh, our ushers, uh, you know, can, can get you a copy of the New King James, you know, Bible. Uh, any hands? Any hands? Everybody's got a Bible? And I guess if you don't, then uh, there'll be, uh, um, some of it will be up here uh, on the screen. Uh, so, uh, James chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. See how little a forest, or see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Do you guys remember what Smokey the Bear used to say? What did he say? Anybody? Smokey the Bear? Only you can prevent forest fires. So it says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. I guess, I guess that's the older generation that has to remember what Smokey the Bear would say. Uh, verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature, and it is is set on fire by hell. 
for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does, does a, a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So we're going to start off in that first point uh, that we have there, the negative warning in verse 1. In verse 1, it said, My brethren, let not many of you uh, become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, did you catch that? Where he said that uh, uh, we who teach shall, re shall receive a stricter judgment. You know, James was a teacher uh, in, in the church in Jerusalem, and, and, and he knew something about the office of teacher. Now, however, uh, in this here, James is speaking um, of becoming teachers as like uh, the rabbis were in that day. Uh, they were professionals. The Jews in that time, they, they really regarded the teachers, uh, uh, you know, in great awe. You know, and they, and they certainly gave them honor. The, the synagogue service, you know, in that time, uh, they allowed people, you know, to stand up, you know, and to address the, the congregation, address the assembly. Uh, the, the Christians, uh, they may have carried some of this over into uh, their assemblies or, or their meetings, you know, when, when they first began uh, uh, meeting. Uh, you see, uh, there are those uh, who would or uh, maybe not uh, qualified with the ability or even the giftedness uh, to aspire to teach. You know, uh, they, their desire to, uh, to teach, uh, you know, publicly really was specifically for the sake of prestige or, or maybe some other motive. And so I think, you know, James is certainly speaking uh, toward that, you know, here uh, tonight. But look at what Jesus said about those who pray. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, he says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, or they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, uh, that they may be seen by men. You know, if men uh, were doing this in the synagogues in prayer, I would, I would only imagine that, uh, you know, they would be doing that, uh, you know, as uh, wanting, you know, wanting to teach, uh, trying to aspire, you know, to, to be teachers. If, if those hypocrites, right, were, were standing up, you know, to pray, uh, how much more, uh, you know, they would be in their desire to, you know, to teach. You know, James warns that God will judge. God will judge a teacher more strictly than a non-teacher, you know, Pastor Mike has shared on numerous occasions that it's much easier to sit out there than it is to stand up here doing what I'm doing right now. You know, knowing that God uh, will, uh, will give a stricter judgment to those uh, who teach. But uh, that, that stricter judgment, you know, uh, it's not only from God but it's also from people. Now, now James here, he's not making an attack on the office of a teacher. He, he's a matter of fact, he's, he's not even making an attack uh, on uh, the function of teaching. But, uh, but rather, he is, uh, he's seeking to restrain the rush to teach, especially for those who are not qualified, who do not have the ability or, or even the giftedness from God. So 
So having said that, some of you are probably sitting out there, you know, you're going, uh, you know, well, I'm wondering, well, then how in the world did Tink get up there? Right? Sometimes I wondered the same thing, right? So, never mind. So, Jesus, being referred to in Hebrews chapter 5. So, if you're wondering, you know, how I got up here, right? Um, you know, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, you know, Jesus is being uh, referred to as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You know, and when, when Jesus was perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You know, of him, you know, we have much to say. But sometimes it's difficult to explain. And that's where, that's where faith comes in. But when it's difficult to explain, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that it's because the dullness of the hearing. That we have been, we've become dull in our hearing. Yeah, that's right. That's what he said. In Hebrews chapter 5. Now the writer goes on to say, you know, about those who become dull, you know, in their hearing. So Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Look what it says here. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Milk, that's just the basics of the gospel. The solid food is the, the ingesting of the truth. You know, and ingesting of the truth, it brings about uh, maturity, the changing of a life. Verse 13, it says, For everyone who partakes only in the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And verse 14 said, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature. Uh, that is that those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you see, all of us are called to teach. Now, now, maybe not in, you know, necessarily in, uh, in this function, like I'm teaching tonight, uh, but certainly uh, with others. Certainly amongst uh, yourselves, as, as, as God has revealed the scriptural truths to you, uh, and then you begin to share those uh, with others. You know, but many teachers, they, they certainly run the risk of uh, spiritual and intellectual pride. That's one of the downfalls, and that's one of the reasons why uh, James says that don't rush into it. Uh, part of the scripture tells us that uh, we know that uh, we shouldn't raise up, you know, a novice into those uh, into those positions. You know, I've seen many people, many guys, you know, who have been around for a while and, you know, and they decide that uh, uh, they want to, you know, be a part of the ministry, be part of the pastoral staff, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, they study for a while and, and they um, prove themselves. And so, uh, so the pastor says, okay, yeah, come on, you know, go do it. And, you know, but after a while, like getting into that office, uh, you know, they, all of a sudden they, they show up on campus and they want to be served rather than to serve. You know, Jesus told us that, you know, the, uh, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, serve. After a while, that pride sets in in those guys and this attitude begins to, to rise up. And, 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 and they think, 
probably a little bit more highly of themselves than they ought, right? Uh, but, but they think that they're God's gift to humanity. So this stricter judgment that James is referring to uh, is, you know, the judgment from who? Well, you know, I'm sure if I'm up here, right? I'm up here on the platform, right? And, and, and I say something that doesn't align with the scriptures, you're going to make a judgment. Oh, oh, oh no, he didn't just say that. Right? And, and, and you know, and, and they go, well, the scripture says this, but, but he said that, you know. You guys are going to make a judgment. Or, or maybe, what if, what if I'm up here talking about politics? Right? And, uh, and, and, I, and I say something uh, about a political party. And you just happen to be part of that political party. Right? Well, you know, and you're going to take an offense to what I might say. And you're going to make a judgment. Well, I don't like Tink just because of what he said. Just because of the positions he holds, right? So, judgment really comes from the people first. But then, it comes from God himself. Jesus gave a warning with regard to offenses in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty hard. That's pretty heavy. Point number two. The reason for the warning. And like I said, we see that in, in verse two. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So the warning here for each one of us, you know, is that, you know, the one who speaks much uh, is apt to error much, you know, in his speech. You know, it's been said that, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out here a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's been said that women, you know, talk more than men. I don't know that that's true, because I've met some guys, you know, that can talk your ear off. <laughs> you know, but, it, but it has been said that these personalities uh, are probably more found in women than men, uh, but they have like 25,000 words that they're going to share in a day. Where some men may only have, uh, you know, 10,000 words that they're going to share in a day. You know, and sometimes women say, well, why don't you talk to me? Because I've already shared my 991, you know, in, you know in, 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 at my office today. So I don't have nothing more to say. I've got no more words to use up today. But those who talk a lot, those who speak a lot, are more apt to make mistakes or error by their words just because of, you know, it's, it's what is that, uh, um, uh, what, am I, what am I looking for as a, I don't even, I don't even know. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what I was, uh, what I was thinking about. So the tongue, you know, really is, the, it, it's certainly the, the hardest uh, member to control. You know, and, and really, according to this, that, you know, no one really has been able to master it except Jesus Christ. Yet spiritual maturity requires a tamed tongue. Have you ever said something, and as soon as it comes out of your mouth, right, you, know, you wish you'd never said it? We all have, right? 
everyone has at least said something, uh, you know, in, in their life uh, that they wished they could take back. It's like the words are coming out and you're going, no. I want that. I want, I want those last three words back. Have you ever said something like this? You know, um, you know you're, so, you're so short that you play handball against the curb. <gasps> right? Or, or how, about, how about you're so ugly that you got to tie a stake around the neck to get the dog to play with you. <gasps> right? I've said stuff like that. You see, none of us is perfect. And according to the scriptures, no, not one. And, and, and we're not able to bridle the tongue on our own. It requires the Holy Spirit. You know, King David, track, me, track with me on this. King David, he, he understood his own tendencies uh, for the mouth to speak evil, uh, you know, and wrongdoings toward other, other people. You know, and, and uh, you know, but that's not the heart of God. That's not God's heart. But let's look at what he prayed in Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. He, he prayed this. This is David praying. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to do any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. So if David, David being a man after God's own heart, uh, thought it a need to pray, to pray those words, to pray this prayer, you know, it probably would be wise for you and I to pray those words as well. Point number three. Examples of the danger. You see, the, the horse, you know, it, it can be controlled uh, by a small bit placed in its mouth. Uh, a large ship can be navigated by a small rudder wherever the pilot wishes for it to go. Have you ever heard of the, heard the comment? Maybe when some issues have come up, when there's a problem, when it's, you know, when it's like, you know, really big, and it says, well, this is a big ship with a small rudder, and it's going to take a long time to get around the corner. I've said those words. When, when we were making the transition from Westbrook Chapel to Calvary Chapel, I said those words. This is a big ship with a small rudder. It's going to take a long time to get around the corner. And, and in a sense, we're still not there. James is saying in verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and it sits on, and it sits on fire, the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So if you're ever wondering, if you ever have that thought, hmm, I wonder, what, what, what sort of iniquity, you know, is this? Uh, what causes the iniquity, right? What causes the sin? What, 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 what sparks that fire, right? And it says right here, it is set on fire by hell. So the two examples that James is giving, the bit in the horse's mouth, the, the ship with the small rudder, you know, these, these are very small things uh, that direct a large object at the discretion of the pilot. So let me ask you, you can, you can holler this out. What's a pilot? Louder, I can't hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. Person that steers the vehicle. Person that steers the vehicle. Say that again. 
Same thing? <laughs> Portia, what'd you have? Navigates. navigates. That's a good word, navigate, right? So yes, it's one who navigates, uh, one who guides or maneuvers or steers, directs, controls. Here's a good word for you, captains. And, and so it is with the tongue. Being such a small part of the body, but, but still able to direct. Wait a minute. Still have the power to direct. Being small, it's got great power. You've seen the bumper sticker, right? Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, that's because we want to be in control. <laughs> right? I want to be able to steer and navigate and, and maneuver and, and, and all that stuff, right? You know, but, but when I get out of control, right? I, I'm, I'm so glad Jesus is there that he can take over, right? When, when, when I can't handle the stress, when I can't handle the direction, you know, then I, I give it over to Jesus, right? That's why people put that bumper sticker on the back of their car because Jesus is in the second seat. He's the co-pilot. That's not what the scriptures say. See, the tongue has uh, a much destructive power as a small spark in the forest. It, it's, it's petite, but it's powerful. You know, Greg Laurie tells a story. You know, about a time that he was in a mountain cabin. In the morning, he goes out onto the deck of this cabin and overlooking the forest, right? It's a beautiful morning. You know, it's not sun up yet. Still kind of dark. And he's out there, you know, I don't know if he drinks coffee or not, you know, but certainly he's, you know, says he goes out on the deck and, um, uh, and he sees a pail there. And the pail was the ashes uh, from the fireplace the night before. Oh, he looks at that pail and he looks at the forest and he thinks it's a good idea, you know, to just to throw that out there in the forest, right? So, you know, as, as men would do, right? He goes over and he grabs a hold of that pail, you know, and he goes, you know, and he just throws those ashes out across the, off the deck, you know, out, in, out into the forest. And, and as he does, he can see, because it's not quite sunny, right? And he can see these orange embers going out. And they fall, you know, into the forest, right? And, and he's looking in them. You know, these little fires are starting to pop up. Well, just like a guy would do, right? He, you know, bails off that deck, you know, jumps out into the forest. He's probably barefooted in his jammas, you know? I don't know that for sure. And uh, uh, anyways, he goes out in the forest, you know, and he's, and he, and he's putting out these, these little fires, you know? And just as he gets one out, you know, you know another one pops up. You know, so he's, he's running around uh, putting out these little fires uh, and, he, and, he, and he shares that uh, this verse come to his mind. He was reminded of this verse uh, that these little embers, you know, were popping up and had he not jumped off of there and put those things out, you know, how much of that forest uh, would, have been <laughs> would have been devastated, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, Greg Laurie at that time, he remembered what Smokey the Bear said, right? Only you can prevent forest fires. Don't throw that stuff off the deck. You know, but uh, it is a world uh, of iniquity. You know, it seems James here, you know, is referring to the evil characteristics uh, of a fallen world. It's, it's uh, covetousness, uh, idolatry, blasphemy, lust, and greed. And all of these things, this is where it finds its full expression through the tongue. Here's, here's an example right out of the scriptures. Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. Then Peter, now this is directly after Jesus had told him that 
he's going to be going to Jerusalem. Uh, he's going to suffer many things, and he's going to be crucified, and he's going to rise on the third day. Jesus just told him that. And this is what Peter said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Jesus just told him what was going to happen. And Peter's like, not on my watch. It's not going to happen, right? Now, verse 23, Jesus told him, or Jesus turned, you know, and, and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, the evil of this world, through Peter's tongue, desired to pilot Jesus in a way that uh, was possibly the way of the world, not in the way of God's plan. It, it sounds so innocent, you know, or so manly, right, or, you know, chivalrous, or however that is that, you know, that Peter would say that right to Jesus' face. But it wasn't a spiritual thing to say. <gasps> that's why, yeah. That's <laughs> right. In Matthew 15, Matthew 15, verse 18, says, uh, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. See, see the, the, the tongue is a gate through which the evil influences of hell can spread like wildfire into, uh, to inflame all areas of life that we touch. This is, this is, this is kind of tough. You know, this, this message is kind of tough. But I'm hoping, you know, that uh, uh, you won't be upset you know, with the words, but that you would understand why James is communicating these things. And that you'd begin to consider the words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, point number four, the uncontrollable nature of the tongue. Again, like I said, we see that in verses seven and eight. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You see, man for the, for, uh, for, you know, throughout the ages, you know, have sought to uh, control the animal kingdom. Uh, we've, you know, we've seen uh, Barnum and Bailey circuses, you know, that travel, or, you know, around the United States, uh, you know, and they have uh, lion tamers, you know, and they've got the elephants, and they've got the monkeys, and they've got, you know, all the stuff, um, you know, using the, the animals. Um, um, you know, uh, I've seen a guy... He's got some kind of horn going on, and all of a sudden the snake comes up out of a basket, right? And then you see these guys doing that, right? And then they go over and want to, you know, and, and kiss the head of the snake. Yeah, I won't be doing any of that. I won't be doing any of that. Um, you know, marine land, sea world, uh, you know, those places, they have, you know, killer whales and, and dolphins and things, and, and, you know, and of course they... Uh, train them to do all kinds of that stuff, you know, and, you know, and, and chuck them a fish, right? Uh, zoos. I've been to zoos. Have you guys been out to uh, Calm? Out by Hart Park out there? And uh, at, sometimes they have these, uh, you know, uh, birds of prey, right? Or exotic birds, you know, that they have these shows and things that they've trained them to, you know, go fly around, you know, and come back and land on their arm. You know, I would, uh, I would probably suggest that, uh, you know, the word is probably restrained or maybe subdued rather than tamed, right? Do you guys remember Siegfried and Roy? This magic act that they had in Las Vegas, these two guys, right? Uh, what was their, uh, you guys remember what their, um, their featured 
animals were? 400 pound white tigers, right? And they would do all kinds of tricks with them and make them disappear, make them appear and that kind of stuff. And, and then they would just kind of wrestle with them a little bit. You know, well, Roy Horn, at one point, he found out that, uh, you know, something went haywire, you know, with one of his tigers, right? Mauled him. He almost died. And this, is, this hasn't been, you know, that long ago, you know, that this happened. But a white tiger, you know, almost killed him. And we would say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe a, a tamed animal would do that. Well, that, you know, you might have said it was tamed, but it was more like restrained, right? Uh, they might have subdued him a little bit, you know, but, uh, but then all of a sudden that tiger went wild, right? Got back to his roots, you know? But really, uh, apart from the Holy Spirit, It's the Holy Spirit that, uh, that only the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, is able to tame or subdue or restrain his or her own tongue. You know, it's more, it's, it's more dangerous than a deadly animal because this beast never rests. It never stops. It, it can destroy simply by words. You know, fire, animals, you know, uh, the tongue, they all have the power to destroy. And they'll leave evidence of scars of their destructive power. Evidence of scars. There's a story of a young man named Timmy. He's in junior high. And just like many junior hires, he's, uh, he's, you know, I, I call them pre-people. Because they're, they're just about to the age where they're starting to make some of their own decisions, you know. Um, you know, but not quite there yet. So Timmy, being a junior high, and uh, his mouth began to override uh, all the stuff that, you know, he was supposed to be about. You know, as teachers would tell him to do stuff at school and, you know, and he would maybe cuss at him or, uh, you know, tell him where to go, right? And, uh, um, you know, and, and his mom and dad as well. They tell, you know, Timmy, you know, like, take out the trash, you know? And he goes, I'll take out the trash when I'm good and ready, right? And, you know, he just had this attitude going on, you know? And so his, his dad told him, says, look, he goes, every time that we find out that you're bad-mouthing, Every time that we find out that uh, you, you're talking back, he goes, I'm going to take a nail. He goes, I'm going to drive it in that fence post at the end of the driveway. And he goes, and every time that, that I hear that, that you're doing good, I'll take a nail out. So one day, this went on for a little bit. Not too long, you know, because his mouth was wild. Anyways, and so uh, after a while, he come home from school one day, and he's, he's walking up in, into the driveway, and he, he just happens to glance over, and he sees that fence post, and it looks like a cactus, right? Well, something gripped his heart, right? And he's like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe that my dad would see me this way. So I'm going to have to start pulling myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to have to start doing what's right and speaking kind. And when mom and dad tell me to take out the trash, I say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and I take out the trash. Well, it didn't happen specifically overnight, but over another period of time, all of the uh, nails began to be pulled out of the fence post. And... One day, his dad hollered at Timmy, and he says, uh, hey, son, he goes, this is a great day. He goes, I, want, I need you to come down here to the end of the driveway. He says, we're going to pull that last nail out of that fence post. His dad's proud. His dad's excited. You know, and so Timmy, he, you know, he follows his dad down to the end of the driveway, and he takes his hammer, and 
pulls that last nail out. Timmy's heart just broke. He fell to his knees, sobbing, crying. When his dad thought that it was going to be uh, an exciting time, it was going to be an exuberant time, it was going to be a happy time, you know, and there is Timmy on his knees at the end of the driveway, crying. And his dad said, you know, like, what's wrong? I, I don't get it. And he said, Dad, he goes, all this time, he goes, you know, I, I've, I've changed. I've done the things that are right. He said, but I can't do anything about the scars. And that's what sin, that's what our tongue does. It leaves scars. The last point that we're going to get into tonight, the inconsistency of the tongue. That's point number five on your handout. Now, this one is, is going to be verses 9 through 12. We'll look at the first two, 9 and 10, and then we'll move on. So verse 9, it says, uh, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of, the, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Now, these verses right here, to me, are, are quite shocking. You know, while, while we're able to praise God, you know, with this mouth, uh, we're also able to curse men with the same mouth. I've heard some guys say, you know, say stuff, and I go, are you serious? Are you going to kiss your mom with that mouth? <gasps> Although uh, the believer has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that means that each of us that are believers, are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, have the potential for controlling the tongue. Now, we don't always appropriate that, uh, that potential, so James tells us that, that these things shouldn't be so. For the believer, these things shouldn't be so. Blessing, yes. Cursing, no. Verses 11 and 12. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear, bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You see, nothing, nothing has the divisive power as the tongue. Let's do this real quick. Uh, turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Those were the last of the verses for, uh, uh, you know, for James. Uh, so, uh, so certainly uh, you don't need to hold your spot there. But go to Matthew 12. And we're going to look at verses 33 through 35. Matthew 12:33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And then Jesus says, you know, brood of vipers, uh, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of his good treasure, uh, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart, bring forth evil things. So, what Jesus is saying here is that it can either be good or it can be bad. But it can't be both at the same time. Does that make sense? It's either good or it's bad. It's either praiseworthy or it's, or it's cursing. But it can't be both at the same time. Now, nowhere in the Bible 
And you know, does God place value on knowledge? On merely head knowledge? Nowhere in the Bible does God place any value on head knowledge. Think about this. Nothing is really known until it also reshapes the life. Making a conscious effort, asking the Holy Spirit like David did in Psalm 141, to guard your mouth. Because we just read that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If, if good is in, good's coming out. If bad's in, bad's coming out. Right? Makes sense. So when I wrote this, you know, it says, think of this, right? And it says, nothing is really known until it also reshapes the life, you know? I actually put in my notes, say la. <laughs> right? Think about this. That was, more, that was really mo more for me <laughs> than it was for you. Small and influ influential, the tongue must be controlled. Satanic and infectious, the tongue must be corralled. Salty and inconsistent, the tongue must be cleansed. See, James has been dealing, you know, in this chapter with the root causes of human behavior that is out of God's will. You know, in the end, uh, we recognize that, you know, James brings this issue of the tongue uh, to a place, you know, where the Holy Spirit is the only power that we as believers can appropriate for our lives. The Holy Spirit. It's the only way. I've tried. I've, I, I have tried just to not say certain things. Um, sometimes I'm getting to the place in my life where I just, you know what? I just don't want to say nothing. Because if I say one thing over here, I'm making some people, you know, upset. If I make, say something over here, I'm making other people upset. You know, so sometimes it's easier just to keep my mouth shut. Right? I think the women did a Bible study about keep it shut. So, so tonight, as we kind of wrap it up here, uh, don't, don't just walk out of here, you know, and, and let the door hit you in the, I mean, oop. No, 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 what I, what I really mean is, you know, don't just walk out of here and do nothing with this message. You know, think of the times, maybe the, you know, or, or recognize examples in your own life, uh, you know, how your tongue has been either good or evil. And then when you find time to pray, and you find time to pray for your brothers and sisters, and, and you might not know what to pray for. Tongue, pray for them. You realize that the, the, you know, we, we all have similar sins in some things, um, but not all of us have the same sins, right? But that one, we all have in common. We all have it. We all struggle with it. it it's, it, it's like it's, it's not a secret, right? You know, it's, it, it's not something that, you know, well, like, you know, oh, that, I know that, you know, that guy, you know, he never sins, you know, and stuff, you know. That's not true. It can't be true. Nobody's perfect except Jesus, right? And, of course, we strive and we, we want to uh, emulate uh, who Jesus is with, you know, with and, and, and in our lives. So, so take this, maybe with the notes that you jot, jotted down, 
uh, maybe after they upload it you know, to the website, go back and listen to it again. Because really, these aren't my words. Uh, these are the words of James, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's relevant for us today. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if, uh, you know, uh, if, if I hit a point for you, but it had to hit me first. And, you know, and I'm always, I pray and I ask the Lord, you know, what am I, what am I going to share? You know, this message, you know, uh, just didn't come out of thin air, right? But it was something that God has worked in and through my life, uh, you know, for quite some time. So I hope you were blessed by it. Um, let's pray. And uh, if you guys uh, uh, think about it, you know, and you want to uh, get together, right, and pray for one another, uh, even before you leave tonight, what an awesome uh, opportunity, you know, to do that. And Father, tonight as we, uh, as we just close this message, as we fold, uh, close our Bibles, as we turn off the app, Lord, I pray that uh, these words, Lord, that uh, have gone in through the ear gate and rattled around in our minds, God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit uh, would do something wild and miraculous in each one of our lives. Uh, Lord, that, that while uh, we're considering these things, Lord, that, that we would be built up uh, in unity. Lord, that we would operate uh, here at this church as a family. As we would look to you as, as the head of this church and Lord that we would follow you and seek after you wholeheartedly is because things like this really don't mean anything until it changes a life and Lord we know that that's what your word was intended for was to change us uh, to make us and mold us to the image of Jesus and so that, Lord, that you would be seen uh, in our life. Uh, let us walk in your ways. Let us trust you, Lord, with our life. Uh, and Lord, as we all go uh, in our different directions tonight, we pray, uh, Lord, for your protection upon us. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would even lead us as to how you would see fit in our hours tonight and tomorrow. Lord, meet our needs as we praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.